literally the brain muscle does not compute anymore. The computer is broken. And that worked as the second leg. But the third leg is the emotional one. And that's the one that we tend to ignore. One, because we don't necessarily see that there is an emotional component to burnout when actually the burnout in 90% of the case start with that belief. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 37. And in this very informative episode, we are talking to burnout recovery coach, Joelle Emero Hutner, about how to avoid, identify, and manage burnout. Now, to put it simply, burnout is complete and total exhaustion on an emotional, mental, and physical level. And one of the reasons why this topic is so popular, why this topic is so important is because the attitude, the sort of life setup that leads to burnout is something pretty much everyone has in common. Most of us sideline our health and well-being for the sake of our work. Some of us do it for the sake of family or social demands. We always find an excuse not to prioritize ourselves. And when we do practice any kind of self-care, We do it with a lot of guilt and an almost sense of doom, like we'll have to pay for it later, like those few minutes are going to cost us later, which is crazy, right? But it is this need to keep going and this conviction that any kind of personal time dedicated purely to cultivating better health and well-being is unnecessary that's fueling our hustle culture, unhealthy unsustainable work habits that lead to brief periods of growth followed by a massive crash. It's what's responsible for the decline in the quality of time we spend with our loved ones. The incessant need to stay connected with the outer world through the various channels of media so that even when we are not at our desk, we are connected enough to preclude any real relaxation or recovery. It's why so many people in their 20s and 30s are facing an increasing number of health challenges. But hopefully, today's conversation will help you learn more on the subject of burnout and you can use this information to take better care of yourself and others around you. Our guest, Joelle M. Hutner, is a burnout recovery coach, stress management expert, and the founder of Joelle's practice. Joelle is an IEFT accredited advanced EFT practitioner and also holds a life coach certificate. Joelle coaches successful professionals on how to create endless energy and confidence by eliminating the mental barriers blocking them from operating at their greatest potential. She spent years in high-stress roles in the pharmaceutical industry, and due to that time in the industry, she has first-hand experience of how it feels to work under extreme pressure and how easy it can be to get burnt out, frustrated, and overwhelmed. Joelle was her first client. She suffered a total burnout and made a total recovery, but it was not without some intense and difficult moments. Since leaving the industry, Joelle has trained as a coach and she has helped dozens of professionals supercharge their careers by eliminating their mental blocks, restoring their confidence, and reigniting their passion for their work. 
In today's episode, we learn about the different components of burnout, how it's more than a physical issue and may have its root in our emotional and mental setup, how to identify if we are going down a path that may lead to burnout, and if we find ourselves battling burnout, how best to manage it. So let's dive in. Thank you so much for making time for this interview. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I am super thrilled that my listeners are going to benefit from all your experience today. But can I just ask why you chose to focus? I know there's a story here. I am familiar with some of that story. Uh, but why focus on burnout particularly? And what is it that you do You know, when you talk about burnout coaching or, or uh, EFT coaching and that sort of thing? How do you help people? Well, um, usually, as you said, there is always a story behind the story. And for me, it was that I was the uh, type A manager or um, in the, uh, the, I want to say the rat race, but it's probably not what it was. But it was a very intense career in the pharmaceutical industry, always going after the next project and the next this and the next that. And it was absolutely thrilling. But I failed to recognize because I was most certainly focusing on the asshole of things and the hustle of things and not necessarily on how I felt. I failed to see the sign that um, I was running on empty and that my energy was running low. And I always uh, I found myself pushing back things that would have been important and I didn't know that they were important, like family, like friend, like taking time for myself. And I kind of... Um, forgot to take care of myself simply because I was so focused on oh I am in that new position that big position and deep there was a little voice in the back of my head that was saying yeah but they're going to realize that you're not good enough and it's going to stop and they're going to get you know to kick you to the curb and so rather than sitting back and saying, which I would advise to do now, but at the time, rather than doing that and saying, you know what, I've always succeeded. I've always learned on the job, no matter what the job, I'm a quick learner. I can learn and I can take my time and, uh, you know, rely on the experience that I have, rely on the quality and the skills that I have. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I need to have, they give me a, a, a a target at 100 then I'm going to deliver 200 and I was very good at that but it was driven by the fear of failing and I ended up running on empty and actually personally totally doing a going through a total burnout I took me a good year to recover from it so I went from being diagnosed with a total burnout at the time where burnout wasn't such a trendy things to do or go through or have and where mental wellness was certainly not you know the big topic that it is at the time and um i really felt like i'm on my own on this one and i'm a total failure and and it really took its toll so it took me a good year to even being able to stand on my own two feet literally and virtually and at it came a point where i realized okay Nobody has any idea what's going on. So I need to rely on myself and what I've always done, which is, well, you're going to investigate, you're going to learn from whatever you're going through, and then you'll try an error. And, and that's how I starting putting one foot in front of the other. And I went 
back into the job uh, with a completely different perspective. Also a desire to say, well, you know what? It's real. If it can happen to me, it can happen to everybody else. And I find myself helping or, you know, saying, "Mm, be careful. I see that sign. You know what? Have you ever thought about it or slow down or the 80 hours a week? You can do it a week maybe, but if you do it day in, day out, months after months after months, at some point, you're going to have, you're going to have a breakdown. Something's going to have to give. And maybe three or four years. I mean, there was a little bit of a gap. There was also some personal situation that developed uh, right after that situation. And I thought, okay, I really, really think that I do not, if I can help one person going through that process of recovery faster and without feeling so lonely and trying and, you know, not necessarily saying, oh, it's a one size fit all and you have to do this and that's the only way. And if not, it's not going to work, but say, have you tried this? Have you tried that? That would be perfect. That would make all that I have gone through worth it. And so I trained as a coach, but one of the method that I, and I did try a lot of things, to be fair. At that point, I was like, okay, nobody's there to help me. I'm going to have to find a solution. One of the methods uh, that really helped me was called EFT or emotional freedom technique. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to do a coaching training, but in parallel, I did an EFT training as well so that I could really know what I was doing. Or I suppose there was a little bit of reassurance behind it as well that I, that need, was needed. And it's been, yeah, it's been since I qualified in 2013 and I never looked back. Awesome. (laughs) I think those are the best coaches, ones who have experienced it firsthand. They understand that there is no one size fits all solution. And, you know, it it really varies from case to case. So, yeah, I really, really appreciate that about about you, that you have this uh, way of approaching each case and treating it as something unique that's come onto your table. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, I think that, it, you know, it, it really, for me, it's like we're all unique and there is no yeah. one size fits all. When you have children, you, you know, you always spend your time saying, well, you know, it's you're unique. Don't try to be so following the trends and everything else. And I think that in a weird way, as an adult, we tend to forget that advice and we tend to, you know, want to be like the next person or the next, you know, go to and say, well, that's what I want to do. That's what I have. It's not even want, it's what I have to do. Yeah. And it's, I think we're in this society that is starting to change and realize that, well, actually it doesn't necessarily work. And it doesn't mean that if you don't follow the path or the accepted path or the more used path, it's a bad path. It's just a different one. And and I encourage people to look into that. I also encourage them to see that going through a burnout is not the end of the world. It's not, it doesn't mean that it's the end of their career. Now I had a, I had a career change because there's there is always thousands of reason, but it's not to say that I encourage people to go and become, you know, um, Zen monk living in a meditative state, 24 seven living in a cave. It's absolutely not that it's helping people to re-engage. If you go through a burnout, you have to build from the bottom up again, rebuild yourself from the bottom up. It doesn't mean that you have to absolutely move away from 
the environment um, that you were in. A lot of people cannot even afford that. Let's be absolutely honest. They will be able yeah. to take a month, yeah. a couple of months, and then they will have to re-engage. Um, and that will be in the best case scenario. So it's more a case of learning the tools, but learning that it's okay and it's absolutely necessary to take time for yourself. That during those time that we in modern society, we tend to see as wasted because, you know, it's like non-productive time. It's actually the time where we recharge our battery, where we literally um, rebuilt the energy tank so that we can go back out again and give again and, you know, be be all the best version of ourselves in the work environment, but also in the family front, in the, you know, in the friend zone, in everywhere, you know, literally a holistic approach. But it starts from accepting and acknowledging that we don't have this endless amount of energy that will come from a source that will never dries out. No, we have to replenish yeah. that vat of energy on a regular basis and to literally be mindful, keep an eye on, you know, the, it's like you're driving a car. If you do not refill on a regular basis, you're going to, at some point, find yourself on the side of the road and having to call somebody in. Well, that's literally you, when you're driving, you have to keep an, an eye on that on that George, and that's exactly what I encourage people to do. And it might be as simple as saying, you know what, once a week I'm going to do um, I'm going to do these things that is for me. It could be, you know, I don't know, a a OB, it could be doing an hour of sports, it could be going out with some friends, it could be saying, you know what, it's really important for me to be present for my kids. And maybe it's all you can do is one you know, one day a week, and it doesn't have, again, it doesn't have to be a diktat, but it's important. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, as you said, like, in your story, you shared how you were having all of these feelings where you were afraid that someone's going to think that you're not good enough for the job, so you had to over-deliver. That sense of, you know, what we call the imposter syndrome that was plaguing you into overworking constantly. So when we talk about burnout, the first thought that crosses your mind is, for most people, it is that this is a physical issue. It's that our body is exhausted, we run out of energy, and we face all of these issues that follow, that we label burnout. But that's not actually the case, is it? Like, this is this fascinates me. There is an emotional component, there's a mental component, and there's a physical component. Exactly. And, and quite often, um, people will focus on the physical because it's the obvious one. Then literally, you will have people that will, you know, be working 80 hours a week, no problem. And then one day, the, the light's off. They just can't, they can't do it anymore. They, they, they run out of steam, literally. And they can't do that. And so they will go into the doctor and say, oh, you're exhausted, get some rest. So they will sleep in for a week, replenish the physical aspect of the of the problem. And then they'll start again. And then within a few months, they they crumble again. Because the, the burnout has three components, if you want. You have the, the physical. That's the one that most people will see and will judge themselves and will judge other based on that yeah but you also have a mental aspect and the mental aspect is usually literally how our brain works but it's a muscle like any other muscle in our body and that part literally work 
in tandem with um, with the physical aspect. But you will have people who have told me, and I remember vividly having that thing to say, two and two equal. I know. I, I mean, I, I think I know I've learned that, but I can't do it. There is a, a literally the brain muscle yeah. does not compute anymore. The computer is broken. And that works as, as a, the second leg. But the third leg is the emotional one. And that's the one that we tend to ignore. One, because we don't necessarily see that there is an emotional component to burnout, as whereas or when actually the burnout in 90% of the case start with that belief sensation that mm, I am not in you know I'm I'm not good enough I'm who am I to stop working when my patients the people they have under my care are suffering so much and you know what I they deserve for me to stay a little bit longer but it it kind of develop into more but there is always that emotional component and it's becoming more more prevalent but there is that fear of emotion and it's like oh well emotion it's it's not a component but we are driven by our emotions positive or negative we will be will tend to gravitate towards the thing that you know give us pleasure and and bring us joy and we will actually shy away from things that are more difficult painful hurtful um you know make us angry or anything that are uncomfortable and so we are driven by our emotions but we tend to ignore that part and it's so important and all the people that comes to me and are saying you know what i've burned out time and you know maybe time and again or usually the risk that i would say um element that are given by by the medical profession that says you know what you've burned out once unfortunately you have you have a high propensity or chances that you will burn out more often and you will you're likely to burn out again in the future but there is also that aspect that is if you do not address the core issue the root aspect to the burnout if you only focus on what you can see i'm tired i'm physically depleted i can't think straight because i'm so tired and we say it on a generally speaking on a general basis you know oh, God, I'm so tired, I can't speak, I can't think. That's literally a physical aspect. But if we do not go to the root cause of the of the burnout, then people will say, you know what, I have to, I had to quit my job because I couldn't cope. I'm like, okay, there might be before that, there might be something that you haven't um, considered, which is that weakness in the thinking process, in the emotional process that you need to address because otherwise whichever new profession you will choose you will find yourself in the same loop again amazing that clarified things a lot but but i still have one question okay even if we are taking we are fine in our body we're taking breaks we are taking good care of our body we're exercising sleeping right and all of that is true but our work is constantly causing us anxiety or we are as soon as we open up a laptop we're beating ourselves up we're constantly doubting our ability to do the job. So in the, those cases, can we still, you know, go down that path where we end up with burnout or is the physical component has to be there for burnout to happen or emotional mental component on their own can cause burnout? Oh, good question. Um, technically, 
or in the true sense of a burnout, in order to be qualified as a burnout, you would have to have the three elements. So the, the total exhaustion, as in you have no energy left. And in that no energy, you don't have energy to actually feel any kind of emotion. You don't have the energy to do any kind of thinking. And you don't have the energy to even move to consider getting out of bed. So in that sense, um, that's the... I want to say the true definition of a burnout as it was defined in the 70s. Now, nowadays, the good thing is because of the awareness that is surrounding the burnout process, you have a lot of people saying, I am burning out, but they're not necessarily at the end of the process of burnout. And so you might have people that will um, come to you or come to me and say, um, you know what, I'm, I am so tired and just looking you know thinking of opening my my inbox in the morning just makes me tired and i don't have the energy anymore to even fight it and so there is kind of that and i suppose it's the before the full on burnout where the person is there but nobody's i mean it's like the light is on but nobody's home before that you have a period that can last for a very, very long period of time where people kind of, in order to protect themselves, dissociate from their emotional, from the emotions, dissociate from how, for, from how they feel. So they kind of go on, the, they are on that treadmill, they are on that hamster wheel, running, 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 running. They know if they were honest with themselves, they would know that they're not going anywhere, it is not getting any easier, and there is no way out. They're not going anywhere any fast. But as a protection mechanism, and I, I do find that the brain is, is such an amazing machine, the brain tries to protect us, and the main one of the main functions of the brain is to if self-preservation. So the brain is actually cutting off all the sensation, the physical sensation, the mental sensation, the emotional sensation, and kind of protecting them by mm, padding them, pushing them away. So you're still running. You're on a, you're on a, you become a robot in a way. Um, but to answer your question, can you burn out just physically or just emotionally? I suppose you can. If you're, a, you know, if you have a strong um, physical, um, and that will happen with um, athletes, they are physically extremely strong. Yet at some point, the brain goes, yep. And the, I think the best example is that just happened this week is Simon Biles, the, the um, gymnast who is like top of the world, who suddenly says, you know what? I can't do that because my brain is actually not functioning anymore. And I'm not sure where, you know, when she's in the air doing like 600 loops in the air before. I mean, she looks like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen her. She is actually quite amazing in what she can, she can do. But she was explaining that she, at this point in time in her life, there is a disconnect in her brain and her brain goes blank. But the problem is her brain goes blank when she's up in the air. And so she lose the um, spatial awareness that she needs in order to be landing on her feet and not on her head and therefore not taking the risk of breaking your neck. Right. 
and she calls it burnout and i suspect that it would be qualified it would be qualified as burnout so she is physically immensely strong i mean she's quite amazingly physically she's absolutely strong she knows what she is but she's emotionally at this point in time it is too much and my mind is actually blanking uncontrollably and no matter how strong i am it doesn't work and she had to stop yeah that's tragic so yes you can have but it all my guess is it will start with the emotions but you might have people say you know what it's it's a combination of honestly i think it's a combination of the three so even if you know initially there is no physical component people are taking good care of themselves i think as you shared what i learned from your story what i learned from everything you've shared after that to to compensate for that emotional component the fear the anxiety you're going to start quitting on the physical care as well yes as a lot of us do when things get hectic we stop taking care of ourselves there is an element of the boundaries everybody talks about boundaries at the moment and i i do think that it's really important yeah. boundaries are really important especially in the workplace but anywhere to say okay this is my my space and this is where i take care of myself and yes the external demand of the world wherever whatever setting you're in needs to stop at that those limits that you've put up and one of the key work that i do with people is rebuilding those personal boundaries so that they can feel comfortable and confident in saying this is where the world the outside world stop and i am comfortable saying no that's the first aspect so literally to learn to be aware enough and confident enough to be able to say to the outside world whatever the outside world is stop no i'm you know what it's friday night it's 6:30 in the evening now i'm disconnecting from my computer from my work i'm going to re reconnect with other area of my life be it my family be it my friends be it my my passion my hobby my everything and that's the first aspect to the uh, boundary so literally being strong enough to be able to say that limit is solid and i will not let external pressure push it back in but i've learned with time that there is another aspect to that boundaries and that is the internal pressure to ignore those boundaries and to say you know what it doesn't matter you know i don't need 8 hours of sleep i i can do it all nighter because well you know that project but the problem is it's like the project leads to another one leads to another one leads to another oh, yeah the boss calls me on saturday night and well yeah well you know he's my boss so i'm going to take the phone call on saturday night when i should be out with my family or my friend or doing something but it's okay and it's ignoring the internal plea for help the the, the cry for help to say you know what i need a good night's sleep if i don't have that good night's sleep i'm going to have to rely on um you know external stimulant to actually be able to go through my day yeah. i do need to connect with my children in a real way not in a 
Yeah, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you're doing well. But, you know, either typing or texting or being on the phone, focusing on really the area, what I call the area of obsession, but not really focusing on what needs to be important at that point in time. Now, I reassure people most of the time because they're like, you know what, in my, it's, I'm so busy, I don't have an hour or two hours a day to spend with my kids. I would love to have it. And I'm like, we're not talking about quantity. We're talking about quality. Yeah. So give your son or your kids 15 half an hour, but of true time. During that time, you are absolutely with them. It will be worth a full day out where you're not there. You're physically there, but your mind is so far out. Or you are with them, so keeping an eye on them, but you're on the phone talking with whoever and whatever. Those are two very, very yeah. different things. One, you are actually connecting your present. Your kids love it and they will know the difference. But I'm talking about the kids because it's the easiest to understand. But it can be with anybody. It's like you're going with your partner, but you are you put your phone on the you know on the table and you know it's very romantic and everything, but uh, 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 it's my boss. So um yeah, sorry, I really need to take that. Yeah. On occasion, it can be the case. If it is constantly, you will run into a problem because that partner is going to realize, well, I'm, you know, I'm not important or I'm not as important as. So it's about taking the time to reconnect and to stop. But it's not about quantity as much as it is about quality. Right. I'm not sure I answered I honestly on this one I'm not sure I answered your your question. I think I went on a tangent. <laughs> no, but this was so good because you are so right. It's not just setting boundaries with the outside world. It's also setting boundaries with yourself. It's like your entire self-worth shrinks to the your performance in that professional field in that one area of your life and like nothing else matters then. And it's it is so difficult. Again, going back to one of the main reasons we tend to burn out or people tend to burn out. And I say we because I've I'm part of that group, but is that we tend to not value ourselves enough to actually put ourselves even on the to-do list, yeah. you know. But the idea of saying, no, I'm going to come first. I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to set myself up so that every day there will be a time for me dedicated for my self-care. In the same way that there is time to answer the email from the boss, there is time to take care of the children, there is time to do this, do that. We are so far down in our to-do list that we sometimes don't make it to the to-do list. But the first thing, and I know that because I experienced that, I remember sitting in the, the doctor's office and telling them, okay, I'm so tired, I was coming out of a complicated situation at home. And, and the doctor says, well, you know, simple, I'm giving you a prescription, you're off work, and I want you to disconnect completely. Just You're just off work and you're going to take it yeah. easy. And I remember having that oh, physical reaction to say, but are you crazy? You do not understand. My boss needs this. I'm in the middle of that big project launch thing. My team relies on me. I am due to go X, you know, it was like I was Due, I was sitting in Europe, but I was due to go to Japan and then go to China. And I remember going, no, no, it, it's like, you're crazy. 
And I remember the doctor looking at me like, okay, yeah, I see where the problem is. But it was a physical thing to that it could even suggest that I take care of myself for a week. And when it was like, okay, and you don't understand, if it's not in the workplace, then here I am, I have three young kids under the age of six, and this and that and the other. So no matter what, when I'm at home, it's not really resting. And I mean, it was like funny if it wasn't pathetic. And I do find that a lot of the people that come to me are on that hyperloop. They're hyperloop, they're constantly running, they strive on that on that stress without realizing that if they don't unplug on occasion, and as in really unplug, then they're going to run on empty. Even the mere suggestion that you need to, you're going to need to take five or 10 minutes a day to take care of yourself. I, you would not imagine the resistance yeah. that there is. Yeah, 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 Joel, okay, I'll, yeah, yeah, it's easy, I can do it, I'll, of course. And then you go back the next week and say, so how did that go? Yeah, well, you see, big problem and this and that and the other. Yeah, okay, it didn't happen. And you have to literally work with them. And I'm not saying, suggesting, okay, you're gonna take an hour. It's like, no, 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 you're going to take five, 10 minutes a day. And I know that even those are going to be difficult. So the next step is say, okay, how much could you take? And then you're gonna say, yeah, well, you know, 10 minutes up. Yeah, I can do 10 minutes. And like, okay, so we're gonna start with five. And if they say, if they give me five, I'm gonna say, okay, you're gonna go with two to start with. Five minutes, we're gonna go with two. Simply because I know that there is the, oh, what is she going to think if I, you know, if I say too little, she's going to think that I'm a lunatic. I don't want that. So they're going to tend to, be an over over optimistic and overachievers, they tend to be overachievers as well. And that's the difficulty is that they want to achieve, they want to do good, they want to succeed. And if even in that in that area of recovering from burnout, they want to re, you know be be good at it. <laughs> There's no good or wrong or bad. But I'm like, okay, so let's start with baby steps and whatever the baby steps are. And let's make sure that you can do and you can succeed at that one minute or two minutes or five minutes a day. And then when you are successful at that and it becomes a habit, then we'll increase it to five to 10 minutes and then we'll move it to 20 minutes. And then, you know, and it's literally laying down the foundation. It's learning to walk before we can even consider running whatsoever, but it's slowing people down and they resist that. They can't stand it. Yeah. So you need to start small and hopefully you will yeah. get there, you know, where you are treating yourself right. And it, you know, look, you are super busy. You don't have time to go through your to-do list. There is no way in any possible universe that you can say, you know what, on top of all the things that I have to do, I'm going to do an hour a day just for myself doing nothing. That's impossible. <laughs> right. And it's probably what is needed at that point in time. Yeah. But it is not plausible and not, people can't really phantom it realistically. So it's literally taking, you know, taking the people where they're at and saying, okay, you're super busy, so 
let's not try and do say that you're going to do an hour a day because otherwise you're going to have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you've already gone to, I mean, it's like, let's be realistic and let's start with baby steps. And it might be just to take two minutes for yourself where you're going to, you know, stop and just enjoy your cup of coffee for two minutes. And maybe that's all you can do at that time. But it's bringing in, the process is literally bringing in things that will recharge people's battery. And maybe it's two minutes of listening to some music. It could be, you know, two minutes spent with the the kids. It could be two minutes just walking in the park and just just that. And then they're like, oh, it's an experience. And they will hopefully get the benefit of it and say, oh, okay, mm, maybe she's onto something. And naturally, then we will be able to add things and push things. The second step is to actually look into that damn to-do list and go with, okay, what is essential? What is like has to be done? And usually it's about 20%. And anything else on that to-do list is should do could do and i said okay we're going to push that to the side and usually the 20 percent that is essential will take a full day and there is a point where it's important to have that realization okay there is the 20 percent of that on that list that will take actually probably a full day and then there is all the rest but all the rest is just mental noise and is it weighs down and when you can bring people to that then suddenly like it doesn't mean that you can't bring in more things afterwards. And it's the hardest part. And I can tell you that people are like, no, 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 we don't want, I don't want to do that. You don't understand. It's so important. And everything is important. Absolutely. But it's going down to what is essential, what is a must versus what is a should. And at that point in time, I say, okay, if it's a should, let's give it up for the time being. Yeah. So maybe as you draft your to-do list, maybe dump like the two least important things just, you know, to ease things up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. It's almost like relearning to be honest with yourself. But for in order to do that, you need to reconnect with yourself emotionally. And it's the hardest part. Because in order to be honest with yourself, you need to face that reality. And that's the, the most challenging. And that's where um, modality like EFT or uh, EMDR or all sorts of en- what is under the umbrella in energy psychology i don't like that term but it kind of feels woo woo and and anything but it's it's a place where you can actually let go of those that of that voice in your head that is so mean sometimes and you know if you haven't done it well come on anybody else can do it and you can't and we're so mean to ourselves but it's literally finding a process a modality a technique that is going to work for you to let go of those diktat and those pressure and those insecurity because that's what it is that says that you should be doing this or you should be doing that or you know if you're not perfect then people are not going to like you and and all those fears and and yeah it's literally fears and insecurity but if you do not address those at an emotional level at a core level then all the rest is like window dressing and it's not a, it, it, you one you can't maintain it but two it's not going to last yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think 
as you pointed out a lot this is one of the reasons i think why it's so necessary for you to work with a coach because there's so much emotional baggage there's so much going on in the back exactly. like in your subconscious there's so many stories playing here that you don't even know you have no idea that you've got stories from your childhood perhaps stories from your last job that you've carried over to your new job and it's never about the job is what i in my own experience i realized even after i switched to you know doing my own thing became my own boss i realized that that just becomes who you are and you need to work on yourself coaches like you can really help people do that i describe myself as your you know i'm not your best friend when i'm when i work with somebody i'm not your best friend i'm going to point the painful reality but i'm also going to be your cheerleader i'm going to be the one who is going to call bs when necessary that is going to say oh sorry that's an excuse and it's not about judging it's just you getting yourself back up into that that pattern and no i'm going to break those pattern we're going to stop those pattern before they they take full flight and and they become so you become so wrapped up in it but it's also a person that is going to help you through those patterns and that's going to help you to let go some of that baggage so that whatever you're bringing into any situation is lighter and you can be present in the situation and dealing with the situation at hand not with the emotional baggage from a lifetime um that combination of the three also means that oh gee i'm going to have to talk to her again and i'm going to have to explain that i didn't do the homework i didn't do the five minutes i don't want to do that she's not going to be happy with me and i'm kind of and especially in the burnout field you i deal with people that are extremely competitive so they will not like not having to say oh yeah i didn't do it sorry <laughs> um and so they will actually do it and that's one of the uh the, the the reason those group meetings, whether it's Weight Watchers or all those things, are based on that idea that you don't want to be the one saying, "Ooh, I've not done it." So you're actually going to kind of do it at least at the beginning until you perceive the benefit and say, "Okay, yeah, I see where she's on, what she's on about. I see the benefit for myself. Therefore, I'm going to make it into an habit." But to start with, it's literally a combination of all those factors: the 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 cheerleaders, the 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 drill sergeant, the the support system, the teacher. In a way, even though I don't like the idea of a teacher, it's more I'm more of a mentor. Um, but also the person that is going to call you out and said, mm, "Yeah, no, sorry, you're not. You told me that's where you want to go, um, but you're going in, you know, the opposite direction. So what's going on? What gives? And all that all together." makes it efficient yeah and that's great accountability is supposed to be a positive concept but i think accountability sometimes is what drives us to burnout so i i love the idea that it is then what is the one thing that drives that brings you out of that that place in your life yeah uh, and I, can we like take this down to basics for the benefit of the listeners and share like what are some of the signs because burn burnout is not a little thing it's a huge huge deal so reaching that level of exhaustion that has to be like a trajectory there has to be a path that gets you there are there any signs that uh like can tell you that give you like a quick warning that oh no no you need to stop this is going to end you take you there okay i don't know if there is a quick warning right and i will say that is that if you are in the burnout process yeah yourself so the burnout is a continuum there is a beginning and there is an end the end is as i said it's like 
the light, you know, the light is off. There is no more energy. And that's where, that's the end result of a very long process. And it can take years. For some people, it will be six months, but for some people, it can be years going through the process, recovering a little bit, then going back and forth. So that's the first thing is that it can take years. The second thing is if you're in that burnout process, regardless where you are in that process, you're so caught up in the pattern that you will not see it, but you will also resent people coming to you and saying, hmm, are you sure that it is healthy? You will actually resist it because you're doing it. You have a purpose and there is a reason you're doing all that. And there is really any kind of suggestion that maybe, just maybe, it's not quite as positive as you make it sound it to be will be met in your side with a huge sense of how dare they they don't know me they don't know what i'm going through and anger now if there is a process and there's a signs if you want um i do a lot of work in burnout awareness uh, simply because if you are aware of the sign prior to going through the process then in the back of your mind you might actually at some point wake up and say yeah remember that lady that she come and she gave her that speech and yeah maybe just maybe mm, there is that but if it's very hard and a lot of people come to me and said i think my partner my colleague my boss my you know my my manager is going through burnout and i'm like if they are not aware of it if they're not ready to accept that there is a problem you're not going to be able to do a lot because they will resist it but the seven signs if you want there is kind of steps the very first step is to say there is a, a feeling that we're not something enough so usually in the workplace like i'm not good enough i am not trained enough i am not experienced enough i'm not skilled enough i'm not whatever enough and that idea trigger an enormous fear response and we talked about it earlier it's that oh okay they are going if they perceive that i am not that something enough they being the environment is going to not like me and going to reject me and it's a fundamental fear we all have those fears however in the process of burnout there is a decision that is made when we experience that fear and the decision is I'm going to project the perfect image right? so that nobody can ever discover that I'm actually a fraud, that I'm actually not good enough. And from that decision to say, I'm going to be perfect so nobody can see that I am not good enough. And the company love this kind of personality, not realizing what's the underlying reason for that because they are the overachievers of the you know, of the workplace you give them the you know the target of 100 they will deliver 200 because hey that's what they need to make sure that nobody will find any reason to find them wanting yeah so that's the first step and that's a, a very pernicious step because we all have those fears to start with it's a fundamental fear being you know, fear of being rejected, fear of being unlovable are the two most fundamental fear we can have as a human being. And no matter, no matter where you are in the world, 
those two fears exist. Yeah. So it's just how you react to it. And in the process of burnout, you have that, okay, I'm going to be the most perfect version that I can think of, or at least project the image of being perfect so that nobody can find me wanting. And it's usually in that area of obsession. So there is one area where we decide, this is it. I cannot be found wanting. I cannot be found to be the fraud that I am. Therefore, I'm going to be perfect. Perfect employee, perfect parent, perfect student, perfect whatever. No, no room for failure whatsoever, perceived or otherwise. That's not an option. When you have that area, when there is that focus on that area of obsession, the second step is kind of a, we decide what is essential and we also decide what is non-essential. And anything that is non-essential in order to maintain our image of perfection in that area of obsession is going to be pushed to the side. Unfortunately, food, sleep, self-care is like one of the first thing to go because it's non-essential. But then there is the secondary um, non-essential that becomes our hobbies, our families, our friends. Any time off kind of is pushed to the side and we tend to decide, okay, the only area of that is of importance is that we have a timeline in our mind. There is a, once I've reached that point, then I'll go back to being friendly, to run, to do some sports, to take care of myself. But for the moment, it's really important. And again, it's pernicious because if you have a big deadline, you know what, you're going to do that. The problem is the deadlines never end. The, the next deadline has already started before the, the previous one has finished. And there is no gap in between. But in, a, in the brain of the person is, I'm going to do that for the better good of my friend, my family, myself. But for the moment, that's really important. It never ends, but that's the rational behind it. The third step in that process is that in that desire to be perfect in that area of obsession, they're going to be frustration. They're going to be situations that do not go how we expected them to be. They will be, you know, things that go wrong. It's normal. It's part of life. Life is not perfect. It will go wrong. But if your goal in life is to be perfect, you're going to take those frustration, those anger, those things that do not work well, and you're going to bring them, keep them inside in the area of obsession so that you can maintain the perfect image. But then you're going to bring those frustration, those emotion, those things that you cannot express immediately because it would not be perfect. And you're going to bring them back to your family, to your friends, to the other area of your life that are non-essential and where you will perceive them as being safe to express those things. And so you will have the people around you that are going to notice that you're working and less hours, that you they have to walk on eggshell because the smaller things will trigger you so you might you know um have a terrible day at work but you couldn't say anything so you kept on smiling and there was no room for you to get let that that frustration out and you're going to come home and you're going to step on the lego and every parent will know that stepping on the lego is extremely painful but there will be an explosion completely disproportionate to the little frustration that happened. Right. And at that point, you will have, and that's the fifth step, is that people are going to come to you and say, what's going on? So on this 
a volcano effect. So the previous step on the volcano effect, you add to all those things. So the inability to express your emotion in the area of obsession, the fact that you're bursting out and you're exploding in completely disproportion in your uh, work or in, in other area of your life, you start feeling guilty because you know deep inside that, oh, come on, it was just a toy. I mean, it was not the end of the world, but you couldn't control that. So there is an element of guilt and you're going to start to isolate yourself even further, saying they don't deserve me to react in this way, as opposed to saying, I really need to find a way to cope better or to, you know, to, to find a way to tell my boss, my colleague, my whatever, that there is something that is not quite working and we need to work it out, work it out. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to push away from those people that I really, really care about. And I do care deeply about them, but I'm going to push them away because it is not fair to them to, for me to have those explosive reactions. That leads to the next step, which is the people that are very close to you, that have been walking on Excel, that have been the subject of your explosion, of you being absent all the time because you're so focused that they can't have a minute of your time. It's like either you're not there, but when you're there, you're, all, you're still thinking of that area of obsession. They're going to come to you and they're going to say, what's going on? You know, you're working too much or you're taking too much time, you know, you, this this role as parent is taking too much of your time you know and you're going to take it as a personal attack because they don't see those people that should be you know should know you should you know promise to to protect you to understand you to protect you they are your closest of your closest friends and, and family and here they are questioning your intention when you're doing all that so that you can deliver so that they can benefit. Yeah. And there is an even further gap. Now, when you, the more gap you create, the more you're away from that ability to recharge your battery. So the, the bigger the gap, the more distance you put from that, uh, from, from that source of energy, of positive energy into your life, the more you're running on empty. And at that point, you find yourself saying, you know what, it is becoming too much for me. And you will actually become cynical. And at that point, that's when sometimes, and it's difficult for people to understand, you can, if you stay in that phase that I'm going to describe too long, you can actually be described as being depressed, but you can go through a burnout process without being depressed. But you, it is quite common at the very end of the process, you can actually become depressed or at least be diagnosed with depression simply because there is a point where you're running on that treadmill. There is, you've emptied your life. No, all non-essential item on your life has been on pause or is so far out of your life that it is not affecting you that you label as non-essential to maintain that life right exactly exactly so literally you're i'm talking from the the point of view of a person going through the burnout they are complete they've succeeded in being entirely focused on their workplace they've succeeded at pushing to the side those people that are 
creating emotions that are not helpful. The guilt, the the those potentially you know hurting them and therefore feeling bad about it. All that is quote unquote wasting energy that I should actually redirect onto my workplace. And there come a phase before the burnout, and the burnout is not very far out at that point in time, where people become cynical and be called completely detached. They know if you had an entry into their mind, they know that this is whatever their goal was, is a lost cause. They know that the wall, the burnout wall, the wall, the accident, you know, they are on course for a crash. They see this crash coming, but in their mind, they're still hoping that if they push a little bit further and a little bit harder and, and they may be able to divert the course and avoid the crash. But they also know that it will take too much energy for them to actually even consider changing course at that point in time. Jumping off the treadmill requiring an, a level of energy they do not have. So they are kind of robot. They go through the process and they just, it's all automatic at that point in time. And that phase can last for quite a long time. You have people that are very good at, you know, being on automatic and just going through the motion. And it can be a very demanding motion, but they don't know anything else. And at that point in time, they feel they have nothing else. And those are the people that quite often, you know, the people that go retire and then within six months they're dead because there is there is nothing else in their life. That would be an extreme. But the last step, unfortunately, you can't, for most people, you can't be in that phase where you're running on empty and, and it's an automatic thing and you you know you should change, but you don't have, it's like the simple idea of saying, I'm going to consider changing is exhausting. Even the idea of saying, mm, I'm going to consider the possibility of changing, that's exhausting. By doing that, you are, they, they just run into the wall and they know they go in there with their eyes wide open, but they still hope they're you know, hanging on to the hope that maybe that one last, you know, they, it's just the last stroke that will divert the boat and get them into safer water. Unfortunately, it's usually not the case. I think what I know for sure is that ignoring the process, ignoring the fact that we're getting tired, that we can't, you know, we never, we never have a good enough sleep. We, we're always constantly tired. And if we do not find ways to change, that is not going to get any better. The last thing you can do is just saying, oh, I'm going to ignore that I'm having that problem that I'm potentially burning out because it's not going to get any better. Yeah. Not by itself. Yeah, everything you've shared is so relatable. This is why they say that hindsight is such a like it's a, such a difficult place to be because you can see that everything was so obvious and so apparent, but you missed all the signs. But the signs that you've actually shared, I think they they should really help people identify where they are going. One more question about this. We have shared the signs. We have shared like so much information that people should really, even those who, you know, before starting this episode thought they were fine, should know by now if they're in that place that they're not. They should really, this episode in itself is such a good warning. 
But are there, I have to ask, like, if you do recognize that this is where I'm at, and this is probably where I'm going to end up if I don't change things, how do you initiate the process of tuning out of that, that, that wavelength or that place? If you're not yet ready for a coach, I would always recommend a coach. But if you're not ready for one, what are some of the techniques that you can use? Well, there is plenty of things on the internet, but I would absolutely recommend people to look into the tapping solution. For example, it's a, it's a website um, that is dedicated to EFT or tapping literally. Um, and it's a self tapping in itself is a self help method. So literally, it's anything you can do. The first thing that you should consider is finding method that works for you to reduce your stress level. And it can be simple thing that saying, out of an hour work worth of work, I'm going to take five or 10 minutes to do something else. And that preferably would be go outside and walk around the block and then come back in to reduce, to do something else, to relax ourselves, to movement and change our physical state. And when we change our physical state, we change our mental and our emotional state as well. Right. Okay. That would be the first thing. EFT in itself, literally as a, a proven physical aspect. So yes, you, you tap on your body and it looks absolutely strange. And I'm the first one to say, that's a strange method to start <laughs> with. But the effect or whether you believe it or not, and they've done studies with veterans, so war veterans, people that by definition are no bullshit kind of people, and they don't buy into the, all those things. Yeah. And they went on and tapped, and they recorded, they reported an improvement, even with just one hour. So it's just by stimulating those meridian endpoints, you actually act upon the part of the brain that start the fight or flight response. So you're turning off by stimulating those meridian endpoints. You're turning off the stress response. And for the two, three, five, ten minutes, again, we're coming back to, you know, don't, don't start by saying, oh, I'm going to do an hour of tapping a day and everything will be fine. You, we both know that it's not no, going to happen. happen. Yeah. But if you can start with two or three minutes, maybe five minutes, finding there is plenty of guided meditation, and I do recommend the, the resources available at the tappingsolution.com because they do have like the five minutes, the 10 minutes, the hour if you wanted to. But just there, you are literally, you know, when you create, you, you, the machine is under pressure, and then you have that valve that you can open and it let go of the pressure, and the machine slows down. And that's exactly what it offers. So going for a walk for five minutes will do the same thing. Being physical uh, will do the same thing. Listening to music, reading a book, just drinking a cup of coffee or tea for five minutes, but doing something different on a regular basis, something that makes you happy. And I think People are not going to like that suggestion, but because it's a tricky question, it's a very simple question and it's a very tricky question to answer. But it's what makes you happy, right? truly happy, and bring it in, into your life. Not when you have time. Make it mandatory to bring that into your life. So maybe it's, you know what, 
makes me happy to listen to that song that I used to listen when I was 18 and young and I was carefree. And every single time I listen to that song, it's like, woo, you know, dancing queen and everything. And, and it's absolutely fine. Yeah. Put it on. When you feel like, oh, it's not going, put it on. It's recharging your battery. And it doesn't, as you know, listening to the song, it's like, what, two, three minutes? But it will change your mind and it will, it's not going to, replenish your battery but at least it will create an equilibrium to start with so that would be the first thing that you can do the second thing is when you're not in a stressful environment so don't try when you're in the middle of it and when you are relaxed to try and kind of have a to question the beliefs that drives you so maybe question the belief are they really going to think that I am inadequate, that I am not good enough, that I am not doing a good job. Quite often, those fears are personal. Those are fears that have no ground in reality. One thing that I do remind people that are in the workplace, I said, okay, because they are very, very clear that, you know what, I, if only they knew the person they hired they would not have hired me. And I'm like, okay, do you trust the people above you? Do you, you know, um, trust them or uh, believe that they have business acumen and have the expertise? And 99% of the case, it's like a big resounding yes. And I was like, okay, would those people make such a stupid mistake to hire an incompetent person to do the job? They're not in the philanthropic business. So if they were putting such an incompetent person in the position, it would actually damage the bottom line of the company, correct? And usually begrudgingly, because at that point they kind of see where I'm going, they're like, yeah, you're probably right. And I'm like, okay, so would they have made the mistake to put you if it was really true that you were that incompetent person in that position? And the answer is usually no, they probably would not. And you can start kind of questioning and creating cracks in that belief. That's a completely limiting belief. It's a complete false belief. Yes. But if you can, and you, in, in order to be able to do that, you need to do it in a calm environment where you can actually be honest with yourself and not be bothered by that little voice. That voice will always be there in the back of your mind saying, oh, what are you doing? And I can tell you right now, it's like, Joel, stop talking. You're just being ridiculous. But questioning and saying, where's the proof that I am not good enough? Where is the proof that I'm going to be fired? And it's challenging those beliefs. It's all emotional. The belief that we're not good enough is an emotional belief. So it's trying to be rational, but also trying to find the emotions behind that rational belief that says, well, no, actually, I have 10 years experience, or I have so many years experience, and I have the energy, and I'm learning quickly, and X, Y, Z reason, but it's making sure that your heart hear what your head is saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that people are saying, oh, heart, really, come on. But that's, the emotions are not necessarily in the logical part of our brain but they are really, really powerful. So it's, yes, listening to the logical part of our brain for a change, but also to make sure that it aligns with our 
emotions as well and kind of get a buy-in from an emotional part of ourselves that exists that's yeah, actually yeah, I'm not too bad thank you but we need to find that confident self again and there's quite a lot of exercise that you can do as well to boost your confidence and to boost your your self-awareness but in a positive way not just in a negative way right all of this is so helpful this makes sense confronting your emotions making sure the dominant emotion of your life isn't a negative one i think that those that's very very important work and another i mean another exercise and maybe less confronting than others would be to make a point to at the end of the day to not you know you will have the list of all the things that went wrong and you will have the list of all the things that you didn't do and all the things that you should have done okay perfect but you have to kind of counterbalance that with a list of the things that went right right that you did well that you know you can say hey i've done that we take those things for granted yeah we are wired to focus on the negative we, we we tend to create highway to what went wrong and what's going wrong and how bad things are and how bad we are. And we create like dirt road to what's going right, where we're strong, where we are. And it's socially, it's culturally, there is all that things. Yes, we want to improve. So we think that oh, we're focusing on where we've wrong. But the truth of the matter is that is sometimes it takes so much space that we forget that actually in 80, 90, 95% of the time, we're doing actually extremely yeah. well. Yeah. And we can go back to that. Yes. And we have to go back to that to balance the two and not just say, oh, I'm terrible and I'm really bad and I can do nothing right. And it can be really, really, and sometimes if you listen to your internal chatter, you're like, but I wouldn't even treat my worst enemy like I treat myself. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Uh, are there any resources that you recommend and how people can work with you? Are one-on-one -on -one sessions the only option available or are there other options as well? At this point in time, um, well, I have a Facebook page. So every day I do kind of a 20-minute session live um, where I address issues relating around burnout, around um, self-confidence, around you know all the things that we've talked about and i do that every morning so if they if people go to uh, facebook forward or dot com forward slash joel's practice all one word they will find those videos so that's one set of resources that they can find they can also visit my website at this point in time one-to-one -one is the only option i am looking at creating because the demand is a little bit too strong and there is only one of me uh, to create group session i'm working on it i'm not quite sure um, of the logistic and the timing of things but um i'm hoping that within um by the end of september at the latest i will have some sort of group offering that will make the um working with me but within this group setting I'm aware that for some people it's it's a large investment and um, that will allow me to help more people, but I will also allow more people to access help where need be. I think your live sessions would be a pretty good resource to start learning more and more. I think it is. Um, if people wanted to contact me, 
um, I can send them. I've written a kind of a uh, an ebook on the seven signs of burnout and things that one can do. This one is very specific to EFT, but the seven signs are well explained. Um, I'm happy to forward them the um, ebook if they wanted to. So it's it would be at joel at joelspractice.com. And um, I'm happy to send them um, that free book. Yeah, I will make sure to share all those links, every link that you've shared. Uh, and it, for our last question, if you were only allowed to give an advice to the listeners that could help enhance their life, what would that one advice be? It would be, well, there is so many, um, but I think if I could only give one uh, advice, it would be be gentle with yourself. I do believe that we are we treating ourselves worse than we would treat our worst enemy. So being gentle with oneself, even if we were to tone down that voice by two tones, not talking about loving and caring for ourselves, but just tuning down that internal voice that is so mean, we would actually get so much better. But yeah, it would be being gentle with ourselves, listening to ourselves and respecting that boundaries that says, you know what, I'm tired right now. I've done a lot and I, I need to rest. And yeah, of course, it is time for you to rest. You know, in a way, you, if you have a child, you will treat them. Oh, you're tired. You have a fever. Okay, go to rest. You'll be better in the morning. And it, we're not doing that to ourselves. And in a way, that's what we need to do is to say, I'm having a fever. I'm going to take the day off or I'm going to go and sleep or I have a migraine. I'm going to, well, the body kind of tells you to do that. But to, to say, I'm going to close down, rest. I will get better. I know that's what I need to do rather than saying, no, I, it's not no point. I'm going to push because I have all those deadlines. So it's literally be, be gentle with ourselves. Thank you so much, Joel, for sharing so much knowledge here, so much information here. My pleasure. That was the amazing Joel Amaro Hutner. If you want to know more about our guest or you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode, the links will be in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, go to my website, pratimehra.com, and there's a whole bunch of them for you to explore. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate and review the show on iTunes and share the episode on Instagram. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore prati so that I can thank you for your appreciation. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Now, I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.